Hi, it's Andrea and Marianne, the Sister Tipsters. We're two moms, wives, and sisters juggling work, kids, and all the challenges life throws our way. We're here to encourage everyone to move their body for at least 10 minutes a day while learning tips for navigating life. Take the time to improve your health and grow your mind. Now let's get moving. Okay, Marianne, be honest. How do you feel about eating out at restaurants with the kids? I don't really like it. I try to avoid it. And honestly, it often just stresses me out. But I get it. I know I need to face it. We can't like avoid restaurants forever. Okay, so let's make this easier for you. And really for all of us. We did the research. We phoned some friends. We took notes. And we tested lots of ideas. This is great for eating out at restaurants. But it also works for holidays, family dinners. Yeah, everyday life. Keeping kids at the table and as much as we can, interacting with adults. Okay, so let's start with keeping the kids in the conversation. Different ideas of when you really wanna engage them and you want it to be like one group all together. So a lot of times we'll talk about what's going on with the family, things we have coming up, things we just did, any family adventures we're gonna go on, anything you guys talk about? Yes, we like to go around and do everyone's highs and lows for the day or, um, you know, we've heard this one a million times. I've read it in parenting books. We've even talked about it with family. And so we call it highs and lows. We've heard peaks and valleys, even my husband's family, um, they call it like roses and thorns. We've actually even done it at a wedding with a table full of adults, like 20 something and above. And we went around just to get the conversation going, see what was going on in each other's lives. We hadn't seen each other for a few weeks, few months. And so we went around and everyone did their rose and their thorn. And it could be something just in general in life, as far as the trip of going there. Um, You know, with our kids, we do it, what happened at school, their day, their weekend, just whatever's going on in their life. And we kind of have everyone go around and talk about their high, low, peak, valley, whatever name you want to give it, but kind of that same idea. And it usually gets some sort of conversation going where the kids are kind of directing it or at least part of it as well as the adults. So my kids love to have stuff laid out or they love to do like hopes and dreams or even sometimes they'll say like, I got this one last night. It was like, okay, so if you could live on any island, like live, live for the rest of your life, which one would it be? And those things kind of spiral into some fun conversations. If you can't do the conversation, things like that, we love to play games. We're definitely a game family. Um, And games are not all bad. You have to find ones that work at the table and allow the kids to be engaged. Marianne, is there any kind of games that you guys like to play at the table? Oh, yes. So I know I've mentioned this before. We have this little, I don't know what's the way to describe it, like a device, but it has, you know, it's not a computer or anything. It's called a boogie board. Um, And there's all different versions of it. It's kind of, I guess, like the new age etch-a-sketch type of idea. And it's just a little drawing board, just a little maybe, you know, less than a a sheet of paper and has like a little pen that goes with it and you can do anything on it. So that's kind of always our fallback stuff, uh, you know, especially at restaurants and when we're out with the kids. Is, is I carry that around. It's easy to slide into my purse and um, and gives us kind of endless things that we can draw on there. Yeah, I do the same thing. That's often in my bag anywhere we go. We'll do a lot of like, we love the guess my picture. Like somebody draws something and this is 
especially when the kids are little, this is quite entertaining. And then you have to guess what they drew. So you're just looking at like a blob picture and you're like, hmm, is it, you know, the beach in summertime or your favorite pet or so that one's funny. But if we don't do that, the other thing that we do, and especially if we forget the boogie board, there are definitely some drawing apps on the phone that are free. Some of them you could just sketch a picture. The other thing my kids find entertaining is that you can record yourself doing the sketch and then you can play it for everybody as it unfolds. And somehow that seems to take on like a whole nother fun part. Plus it's like you're waiting for the person to do it and then each person gets to see it kind of unveiled. So that's another one we do. I know that's pretty cool. We haven't done that. We do the the guess the picture, which is always entertaining of what is the picture <laughs> at times. <laughs> but we like that even just like not just at a restaurant, but like any sort of traveling or out and about. Um, like I said, I love to bring the boogie board around, but if I don't have it around, we have those drawing apps like on my phone. And so it's easy to be able to pull it out and it's just an endless sheet of paper or notepad to do anything on. Um, so, so we really like that too. But the other thing besides the boogie board, the other thing I keep stashed in my purse at all times pretty much is a deck of cards. And sometimes it's like a regular deck of cards. Sometimes it's a um, deck of Uno cards. But we love to keep the deck of cards and the boogie board in my purse because you can do almost anything with a deck of cards, you know, besides just the standard games of war, you know, anything else the kids can come up with. I know you've you've played games. So what have you done with a deck of cards? Yes. So I'm going to have to give credit here to my son's first grade teacher because she sent this home as like a homework assignment to take out a deck of cards. And usually she'll give specifics of like, here's the math game we're going to play. But so we'll do that ourselves is make up a math game, make it educational. You know, are we adding numbers? Somebody flips a card, another one flips a card. Okay. Can you add it? Can you subtract them? Or, you know, like the, now the way that they do math and stuff like, okay, someone throws out a 10. Well, now let's try to find two other cards that make 10. So we, definitely um, can turn that into educational. The other game that works well and is fun for the young and the old is charades. So we do have a deck of um, kids charades cards. We can flip it over, but you can really make this up. You can have one person who tells like whispers in the ear, you know, for example, like, okay, you're going to do airplane. And then to watch the kids do charades is hilarious. And the kid goes and acts out the charades. So uh, clearly this is not one I do in the restaurants, but this is one if we're doing a family dinner at home, a holiday, or even when we've been on vacation and, you know, but like inside a house doing it, but where you want to be able to sit and relax maybe some people are still eating um, and then of course getting the adults to get up and do the charades is always fun we've also done a big hit at the holiday was bingo we did that with the young and the old we did have some prizes there but bingo was pretty fun too and the kids really got into that any other games Miriam, that you could think of that's pretty good the bingo i didn't even think about that kind of planning ahead with some prizes to make sure everyone's engaged and and into it i mean what kid doesn't like to play for prizes, right? <laughs> but um, so speaking of, of prizes, I don't know if this is a prize for them, but this is a prize for the parents. So I actually got the suggestion from my sister-in-law. We have, I guess it's kind of like a board game, Sneaky Snacky Squirrel. And we used it when we've had trouble getting the kids to eat. So this has been more like we haven't brought it to there is a travel version, but we have not brought like our big box of it to a restaurant. But we've used it when we were eating at somebody's house. If we went through a period of time where our kids didn't want to eat and they wanted no part of sitting at the table, no part of eating. Um, and it often caused larger issues. You know, they'd make a scene at the table or or um, distract the other kids. We played this game, Sneaky Snacky Squirrel, and you have to, you have this kind of squirrel tongs and you have to use it, um, squeeze them to pick up little acorns. 
depending on what color you spin. And so between spins, we would make the kids eat a bite of food or if it was, you know, if the whole family was playing or there were a lot of people, maybe you have to have two bites of food or or whatever it was, but you couldn't start your turn until you couldn't spin until you had a bite of food. And it really distracted the kids, kept them entertained in the game. We were all entertained and everyone because it was still a focus on eating between rounds, it actually kept the meal moving. So it wasn't a distraction from eating. It was just kind of something. And, and it's not necessarily something we want or have done forever, but it's been great to kind of add that in when we know we're really losing our kids and we're losing both their attention and their interest in food. Um, I think it's even been compared to like <laughs> like a, a drinking game, right? Like, <laughs> you know, everyone's got to go around, take a shot, have a drink. Um, everyone has to go around and take a bite of food. So it's kind of, uh, you know, we've talked about it in some of our other podcasts with happy hour and that, that kind of thing, applying adult ideas to the kids um, and making it work for them. It works just as well. I like it. Now, when you said sneaky, snacky squirrel, I am familiar with the game. We have the board game and play it, but we do a different version of sneaky, snacky squirrel at the table. Um, and this is more of when I'm, again, trying to get my kids to eat, but we pretend that they always want me to be the sneaky, snacky squirrel, and I'll come over and take their fork and, and get a piece of food and pretend like I'm about to go bite it, and then I get a little distracted, and they bite it, and then we say, oh my goodness, what happened to the food? And um, so the food gets eaten that way, but just another version. So those are great. These are times... <laughs> the human? The human, yes. Is it the human the sneaky, he- snacky exactly. squirrel? <laughs> yep. The, the sneaky, like snacky squirrel come to life. Um, yes. So we're talking about times when you want to include the kids in the conversation, but sometimes um, sometimes you need to do to sacrifice one parent and let them take one for the team and let them go and entertain the kids while other parents can um, engage in conversation. Or like sometimes we'll do the t- the kids' table versus like interspersing the kids. So you can you can obviously like alternate kids and adults and that's great if you're trying to engage them, but sometimes you might want to separate the kids, put them together. Again, maybe one adult directs some of what they're, you know, depending on the age, directs some of what they're doing, but that way you can have two separate conversations um, going on. Anything, Marianne, have you ever done anything like that or you prefer one? Well, it depends on the situation. And I try to have an idea going into any situation of what I think will work depending on where we are and what the setup is. Is it, you know, is it everybody at one table in a restaurant? Is it a family event where maybe there's small tables all over? And so our conversation at our table isn't necessarily affecting one at another table. We kind of decide based on the situation and have an idea in our head. And maybe I talk about it with my husband beforehand. So we kind of know. We had a recent communion dinner. It was in our house. It was all one table, but it was a long table. So we ended up kind of doing like a kid's table at the one end and adult table at the other end. So we were all together at a table and we letting the kids kind of have their own conversation and they were all at one end so they could have a kid's conversation and we could have an adult conversation and it wasn't I mean again it was in the house so it wasn't interfering with anyone else in a restaurant but in that situation it worked because if the kids were messy or they got rowdy again it was in our own house so it wasn't it wasn't affecting anyone else in a restaurant we didn't mind all the kids being together we had a good mix of slightly older kids to kind of control the little ones um, and so and to keep that conversation going. But there's been times where, you know, we'll eat out at, say, a family event and it's 
a whole bunch of 10 person tables or something. And then it's like, okay, we, we alternate adults and kids as much as we can to keep it everybody together at the table. So really, I think for us is dependent on the situation and, and we try to pull other parents as we're going. But um, besides <laughs> interspersing kids and, and where to sit, um, I think it's important to, to think about like, like I said, is your, is your party games, is what you're doing for a whole crowd? Or are you trying to kind of keep it quiet and just amongst a few people? And it kind of depends on the situation um, and, and what else is going on. So sometimes we want to have like a little game, like we said, one sacrifice one adult maybe to just kind of do something with the kids. And again, I come back to that boogie board. It's a great way to have a little game silently going on. One of our favorites is tic-tac-toe. You can just sit there. You don't even have to say much, but it's keeping the kids entertained. It's allowing other conversations to go on at the table. Um, and that's always... Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I take no prisoners in tic-tac-toe. I really, I'm okay taking those kids down. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a family favorite in ours. I don't know. I don't know if you have other ones that you like to play. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, we've even eaten where we've had like four different tic-tac-toe games going, like everybody's paired up. But my other one that I recently had to make a little change on and make it a silent game, um, one of my children loves to play hangman and we were in a situation where we needed to be quiet. So I basically quickly taught him silent hangman. I was like, we are not, you're not going to say like your letters. We're going to write them down right across the top. I'll cross them off or circle them and play it that way. And that worked really well to play silent hangman. Um, but another game we played, but I'm going to let you explain it because your kids are just sharks at it. And I think you know what game I'm talking about here. Oh, are you going to say the dot game? It's the dot game. I, I kind of forgot about that. Is It is. You you, you know, I said I, I take no prisoners in tic-tac-toe dot game. We are, um, we are huge fans of the dot game in our family. So I don't know if people know what the dot game is. You kind of cover, you know, your piece of paper, a napkin, anything with dots in columns and in rows, um, kind of an organized fashion. And then you can play with as many people as you want, you know, two up to, we've had the whole family going sometimes, and everyone takes turns connecting two dots with either a horizontal or vertical line. And the ultimate goal is being able to complete a square, little squares all over, um, and you kind of label it with your initial or however you want to label it to, to show that it's your square. You're the one that got the fourth side to the square, and the person with the most squares wins. But we are ruthless at this point. Now we, we've been playing it for so long with our kids that um, even my 10-year-old is is pretty good at it and loves it and will often bring it up. I, I kind of forgot about that one, but that's, that is our, our uh, big family competition is the the dot game um but you know it's it's there's lots of options out there and it depends on what your goal is and the situation you're in yeah i mean sometimes we've come up with the simplest games um either at like a restaurant or i've done this even in the car we have one game that's called the animal game and it's kind of like 20 questions and depending on your children's like the age group involved and the and, and the level of animal knowledge which doesn't always go hand in hand um with age but you basically, you know, someone just in their head quietly thinks and then, okay, I've got my animal and then everyone can ask questions. And sometimes it could be as simple as like, you know, um, is your animal something that we've seen at the zoo? Is it a pet? Or we'll get complicated of like, is it a mammal? Does it walk on all fours? Does it fly in the sky? And that one's pretty entertaining, especially, um, again, if you get some different knowledge level, the animals can really range. Um, I've also 
done that in my office. I have to give credit to somebody else. Um, they came up with it and they did the same kind of version with colors and guessing colors. And that, again, can be very simple or very complicated. We do, obviously, like an I spy is always one that, that we'll pick. And if there's you're in some place interesting, that also works well. Um, I think the biggest thing is we've given you lots of ideas here. You just have to make it work for you. And most of all, get creative. Yes. And while you're getting creative, now that we've shared so many of our ideas for entertaining kids at the table and, you know, anything we've researched and talked to other people about, we want to hear what ideas you have. So feel free to drop us an email, sistertipsters at gmail.com or share it on this podcast or even over on our Instagram page. But feel free to send those ideas over. We'd love to hear what you do to entertain your kids at the dinner table. 